You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. All right, my friends, uh, Luke chapter 2, if you're turning in your Bibles still. Luke chapter 2, on my Bible it's page 1,538, in your Bible it's probably something different, but uh, yeah, this is, we're continuing on with the Christmas story, everyone say, the Christmas story, this is the Christmas story, Luke 2, 8, I'm going to read all the way to verse 20, so stay with me, don't get bored, don't let your mind wander, unless you're thinking about the shepherds and and what they're doing, because we're about to read about the shepherds. Um, last time we, re- we read that to a baby was born to Mary, a woman that was pledged to be married to um, Joseph, and we kind of know that story a little bit. But then it says in verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. So they're living in the fields. They're shepherds. They're kind of dirty people. Um, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, <laughs> in the town of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. That's the Messiah. That's the, and it says, The Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And that's why we have the nativity scene where Jesus is in basically a trough because this is the sign to the shepherds. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to all men whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. All who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Would you bow your heads and pray? I've asked Karis to come and lead us in prayer to open this morning. Okay, let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you this morning, Lord, and we're just seeking to learn more about you. And we just thank you, Lord, for um, sending your son, Lord, to die on the cross for our sins and as Christmas comes around we just remember him and I just pray Lord that you would just guide Joe in his teaching this morning and that um, he would just be filled with the words and the scripture that you want him to present to us and you may we pray amen amen well everybody the mill Sunday school is a great place to come don't you think if you're very first time to the Mill Sunday School, if you've never been to the Mill as well, that happens on every Friday night. Um, however, not this week. Everybody say, oh, I know, you'll be celebrating Christmas, you'll be fine, you'll probably be caught in a snowstorm that's supposed to come. But um, if you've never been to the Mill or Sunday School, if you could fill one of these out, that would be awesome. We'll give you a CD in exchange. It's got some songs and a sermon as a gift just for you. But Sunday School is like a small group, it's, although it's kind of big uh, nowadays. And it's a small group of nerd fighters and geeks and Bible geeks that like to go a little deeper into theology and the study of God. And so we'll talk about things that often aren't talked about in church, um, such as kind of the background to Christmas. That's what we're going to do this morning. Um, But would you like some insider information? Some good stuff. You want some good stuff? Um, Specifically, Sunday school will move rooms. Someday soon, someday soon, we won't, we will no longer meet in the Tag Chapel. This is someday soon, TBA, to be announced when, 
But just so you know, you came this Sunday. There's a lot of people missing because of Christmas and the holidays. And uh, so, some people were calling me yesterday saying, is Sunday school going to happen? Of course Sunday school happens every single Sunday. Um, but since you're here, the insider information is that someday soon there's a room in the World Prayer Center. It's called 107. When you walk in and go to the left, it's a really sweet room. It, like, blows Tag Chapel out of the water. And so someday soon, we will go in there. We'll have a little bit more room in there. and So when we grow, we'll be fine and a place for our food. And uh, it'll be sweet. So that's insider information. Is that good stuff? Yeah. It should be fun. It should be, really good. it should be a really good move for us. Well, um, have you ever got a gift from someone that was, like, a really big gift, and you had give the, given them a gift that was, like, a really small gift? You kind of feel silly sometimes, right? I remember in high school, there was a, a group of us that always hung out. There was a group of, uh, it was in high school. I'd just become a Christian, and there was like six of us that hung out all the time. And we were very much so like the, the TV series Friends. We were just best of friends. We'd hang out all the time, and we, we did stuff together, and we were very clicky. You know what that means? It means you kind of, you didn't let anybody else in the group. And that's not very, a very good thing. Although if you're in the group, then you're like, wow, I got the best friends in the world. <laughs> so, but we should, have, we should have been nicer. There was this one kid um, that was kind of on the outside of our group that was kind of weird, and he always wanted to hang out with us. And uh, he was, he, he, when he became a Christian, he, um, he didn't want to be just like any other Christian. He's like, if I want to be a Christian, I want to be cool, though. So he wanted to be what he called a techno-Christian. And uh, he wore these uh, Oakley, red Oakley, like the ones that are like red, red, and you can't really see their eyes. He wore those all the time because he'd become a Christian and he wanted to be cool. <laughs> and it was like kind of like Bono that always wears sunglasses, but it wasn't that cool. And so um, <laughs> uh, it's so funny to me. Anyways, um, we as, as a group of friends all gave, gave each other gifts around Christmas way back in high school. I decided it would be really funny if I got everyone a card, but instead of, like, a regular Christmas card, I got everyone, like, the most random card I could find. So, like, you'd open it up and say, congratulations, it's a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, happy birthday, grandma, or something (laughs) crazy like that. So I got all of my friends these little cards. Somebody, uh, one of the girls, baked some cookies. Uh, We just gave each other little things for Christmas. We had a little gathering for Christmas. But Randy came, we invited Randy, and he was kind of the outsider, kind of a weird dude, but we were kind of clicky. He was kind of on the outside. He had given us all gifts, and Randy was a gift giver. That was just, have you ever read the book, The Four Love Languages? It's a pretty popular book that just says people like to show their love and receive love in different ways. Randy's love language was definitely gift giving, and he had gone out and, and bought us all really nice gifts, like probably spent between... 50 and $70 each on all of us. And we, I had gotten people a card that said, congrats, it's a girl. <laughs> and here, Randy, he got one of the girls um, a necklace that had like a real diamond in it, this little pennant thing. He's like, oh my gosh. And he got one girl, um, uh, she was really into Precious Moments dolls, <laughs> as I'm sure all you girls are. And so he got, he got the, this girl a, a set of like these Precious Moments Christmas dolls. Um, he got me this really sweet, like, fountain pen, like the, like the weird ones that, like, leak ink everywhere, and they're just really pretty. But it was, it was like a really, really nice, like a $60 pen. And I had given everyone these dumb little cards that said, congrats, it's a girl, and happy birthday grandma cards. And, and here I am sitting, getting this gift. What do you do? Do you say, uh, do you apologize for your gift? Do you say, I mean, do you say, this is too much, I can't accept this? What do you do? Have you ever been in that situation? Maybe, maybe as extreme, maybe more extreme, maybe not as extreme, where you give someone a gift, they give you a gift, and their gift to you is just so ridiculously much better than your gift that you feel awkward receiving it. Well, as, as a group, Randy left, and we, had caught, we were talking about the gifts that we had all gotten from Randy, and we're like, what are we supposed to do? Should we give them all back? I mean, here he is spending hundreds of dollars on all of us, and we're barely really his friends. Um, we, we, we kind of felt awkward. One of, there was an idea, like, maybe we should find out where he bought this stuff, return it, and then, buy, and then I'll buy him something huge with, like, the $400 he spent on us. And, and so we were just thinking, well, how, what do we do? This is too big of a gift to receive. 
and we finally decided we just have to receive it. It's, it'll, if we don't receive the gift, if we return it or give it back to him, he's going to feel horrible. He's going he's to feel dumb. Um, and so we decided just to keep the gifts. But each one of us felt very indebted to Randy. Don't you think you would? If you got this huge $70 diamond pendant necklace thing, if you're a girl, or a sweet fountain pen from Randy, and all you got him was a <laughs> happy birthday grandma card, um, you would feel indebted. And so we all in this group felt indebted to Randy. And Randy didn't mean, he wasn't trying to win us over. He really had a good heart. And he just wanted to give. And his love language was giving. And so I guess he had some money saved up. And so he bought these, these gifts for us. And my point of that story is this. Are you ready? Are you listening? The point of the story is that God has given us a gift that we can never, ever pay back. We could kind of bring things to God and say, I'll be good this day, or I'll, I'll do this for you, God, or I'll give, give um, a tithe to you or give some money to a charity in the name of God. But there's nothing we can do to ever repay God. And I think it's, it's a good thing if you, if you recognize that this Christmas, that, that God has given us something so huge that you're now indebted to God because of this great gift. And it's a good thing. It's not an awkward thing like Randy's... Um, awkward gift around Christmas time. But it's a great thing that he gave himself to us and we are now indebted to him. The, throughout scriptures is the term servant of God. We are indebted to God. We are servants of God because he has given us something so huge and amazing that we can never repay him back. And that's kind of the bigger picture of the Christmas story, the part of the message that I'm going to share today is, as we talk about specific, more nerdier things of Christmas, that Christ is God himself, and yet he became our servants. So how much more should we, in turn, be a servant of God? Right? Amen? Amen to that. Well, here, I want to do something fun. Shouldn't we have fun? I mean, it's like two days till Christmas, right? Three days? To Tomorrow's Christmas Eve, right? Man, oh, sweet. Are you guys going to the Christmas Eve services? You know they're at 3 o'clock and 3.30 and 5.30. I'm going to the 5.30 one. I'll sit in section 11 with my wife if you want to meet me over there. Because <laughs> Christmas, everybody always comes with their family. But I've been to Christmas services before where I didn't have my family. I just felt weird. I'm like, everybody's got their family. It's so sad. Um, anyways, everybody say, oh, I know, it's brutal. Um, so I have, um, y'all, do you ever have like a weird teacher in elementary school that says, Merry Christmas, everyone. What I have for you is a quiz. Well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you all a quiz. <laughs> and so it, you're going to do it as a table, but you're going to do it as, as a table. You could switch tables, too. If you, it seems like we have a little less attendance because uh, people didn't know that we were meeting. So you could go to other tables, like a smarter table if you want. Um, but it is closed Bibles. So everybody close your Bible. Close your Bibles. You have to close them. Um, could, does somebody want to hand these out? Uh, let's Maybe another person, too. Okay, sweet. Just one per table, fellas. And uh, don't open it until I say go. We'll have like a race or something. That'll be fun. Just to make it funner. It says top secret because it is. It's top secret quiz. Oh, no cheating yet. No, don't open it yet. Don't open it yet. This is it's supposed to be a race or something. Uh, there's only 10 questions. Does everybody get one? All tables got one? Ready, set, do the quiz. Shall we go over the answers? Some of your tables are going to do really good, and some of your tables are going to do really bad. Um, do you want to know how Erica scored my wife? No, she doesn't. Okay. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Oh, man. Jared Anderson was in here this morning just kind of chit-chatting. He got them all correct, every single one. And it's, it's, we're going to go over the answers, and some of them are going to surprise the heck out of you. You're going to be like, what the heck? So everyone look at this right here. Do you see what this is? Do you see what this is? A little nativity scene I bought at Walmart for $9.99. Are you ready for this? You ready? Ah, this... This image 
is a good image. This image is of our Savior being born, and it's the picture of the nativity. And it's, it's awesome. It's what we think about. Oh, that's so special, isn't it? It's what we think about around Christmas time. But it's, a lot of it is kind of based on tradition. A lot of it is kind of based on um, assumption facts. And so, um, oh, it's so beautiful. The wise men, all four wise men, Mary and Joseph, the baby. There's uh, a cow and a donkey, of course. And then there's, there's one shepherd with this shepherd thingy, whatever that's called, the staff or thing. Um, but let's go over the answers. So, most of you might have got this one. When Mary became pregnant, Mary and Joseph were? They were engaged. Yeah, not in a friend relationship. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Bible says that they were pledged to be married. I think that's the same as being engaged. That's just how their culture is a little different. Um, all right, here's, here's where it starts getting hard. Number two, how many wise men were there? The Bible really doesn't say. It doesn't. And so in this nativity, if you look up here, there's one, two, three dudes, right? There's three wise men. It does say wise men, so plural. So there was at least two, but there could have been like 40 of them. We don't know. The Bible really doesn't say. Everyone say, what? It really does. And so we just don't know. It's an assumption that there's three because there's three gifts, gold, uh, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't know what those things are either. Um, the gold I do, but... <laughs> um, so there, there's the three wise men. So mo- some of you probably chose... How many, th- how many of you really chose three? Be honest. Be honest. So, but, but I mean, that's, that's, that's what the nativity picture looks like. But the Bible really never says. Um, number three, this is a hard one too. What type of building was Jesus born in? That's how many of you say stable? A stable. <laughs> a stable. That's like a barn. How many of you say cave? Okay, okay some caver fans. Uh, how many of you say the inn? The inn would be the worst choice because it clearly says that they were not in the inn. But, um, but number three, the answer really is the. The Bible doesn't say. Everybody say, what the? Yeah, the Bible doesn't say. And so, uh, so the, some, um, I mean, he, the, the baby was, Jesus was placed into a manger, a trough. You know what a manger is, right? I think we have a picture of a trough. Can we flip that on real quick? Um, We have a a picture of a trough for you, a manger. Did you know that that's what a manger is? Sometimes we have this glorified image of like a manger is like a really nice golden crib. No, a manger is a trough like this. (laughs) It says can't do it. There it is. Uh, Everybody say, ugh. So, I I mean, talk about sanitary. You You place a brand new baby in that. Everybody say, what the? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, uh, so he's placed in a manger. So where the heck was this manger? Was it, it could have been in a cave because like the ancient way of keeping your animals was not to build a building for them, but just to kind of push them into a cave and keep them warm or something in there. Uh, It could have been out in a field. I mean, think about that. Jesus could have been born out in the field in in the stars or whatever. And a manger was there because they were in a field where... uh, some animals were eating. It could have been in a barn. That's, that's a, uh, they're all kind of assumptions. The Bible doesn't say. Kind of weird, huh? Number four, when wise men brought their gifts to Jesus. So this is a hard one. They found him in the manger, the house, <laughs> vacation Bible school, or none of the above. What is it? Do you know? The shepherds found him in the manger. But the wise men uh, mentioned in Matthew, it, it says that they went into a house and they saw Jesus, a child. And the, the Greek word used there, it says child. And for us, a child can mean like a baby baby. Uh, but in the Greek, the word, the, the word that's used is toddler. That Jesus was a toddler. Maybe one, maybe two years old. We don't know. But he wasn't in the manger anymore. He was probably running around or something. Did you know that? So, so this is wrong. I wish I brought my hammer to smash it. It's wrong. The, the wise men were not there with the shepherd and the baby in the manger. It's wrong. It's wrong. I'll just smash it with my hands. <laughs> Maybe after Sunday school. Uh, where are we at? Oh, the animals present. How many, does it say? It really doesn't say. If there's So some of you might have circled cow, sheep, and donkey, or camels, or some maybe even lions, tigers, bears. But the Bible doesn't really say. So this is... 
the, the, the donkey and the cow like laying down next to Jesus. It really doesn't say. Um, oh, this is a hard one. How soon after Joseph and Mary reached Bethlehem was Jesus born? How many of you guys to be that night? Be honest. It's, it's wrong, no. It's wrong. It doesn't say that they got there and then that night they were. That's what the Christmas story kind of, like when we reenact it, it says. But it, the Bible doesn't say the answer C. The, 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 the C. The Bible doesn't say. I know some of you are doing bad. It's okay, though. Um, oh, here's, here's number seven. What did the innkeeper say to Mary and Joseph? How many of you said both A and C? I have a stable out back. Come back after the holiday. Or no, A and C is... <laughs> there's no room in the inn. I have a stable out back. That would have been my guess too. Before I... I mean, I would have legitimately guessed that until I looked in the Bible and, and, and found that it doesn't say there's no innkeeper in this Christmas story. There's a, a tiny little line that says there was no room in the inn. But there really was no innkeeper. Everybody say... What? I know it's in every Christmas story. It's like when we go to church and, and watch the Christmas being reenacted, the innkeeper says, there's no room. And then he says, I have a barn out back, right? So you think that, but it's not part of the, I mean, we could assume that there was an inn, that there had to be an innkeeper, right? But it's kind of an assumption. Um, number eight, for the journey of Bethlehem, this is a tricky one. Um, they walked, Joseph walked, Mary rode a donkey, they rode a bus. How many of you chose rode a bus? <laughs> or D, who knows? Uh, how many of you said B, Joseph walked, Mary rode a donkey? Yeah, it's in every Christmas story that, that you picture Mary in on a donkey, big belly because she's pregnant, Joseph walking next to him. That's what you see a thousand times over, right? Does it say anything about a donkey in the story of Christmas? There's no donkey whatsoever. There's none. Look for it. You won't find a donkey anywhere in the Christmas story. <laughs> but there could have been. There could have been, right? There could have been a donkey. So don't, don't. It just doesn't say. The correct answer is D. Who knows? <laughs> That's the correct answer. You know, um, I, I, I guess I could say this now. It's kind of a tricky test, but, like, I think the... Um, the Christmas Eve service, there was rumor, maybe one of you is in the production, the Christmas Eve production that's tomorrow night. Uh, I think we have a real-life donkey in it, that come, that, that's going to come in. Is it true? A real donkey. So when you're in the Christmas Eve service, if you want to like impress the people around you and you're like, you want to press the ladies next to you, it's probably not a good idea to say, you know, there really wasn't a donkey at the Christmas story. It's an assumption. <laughs> that's not a way to like influence and win friends and influence people. It, but the image of Mary of having to walk all that distance is an important image to us that they had to, they suffered and then got there and then there's no room for them in the end. So they had the baby somewhere that wasn't nice, we could kind of assume, because they placed the baby in a trough, the, the, like the picture we saw. Um, and so that's the image. They're, they're, the bigger idea is, is the story. Some of the details of the image are kind of messed up or just kind of assumptions. There could have been a donkey, Right? Right? <laughs> It could have been. We don't know. Who knows is the correct answer. Uh, this is one's just a trick question, or just kind of a, a fact question. The shepherds followed a star to baby. It's actually false. The wise men followed the star. Shepherds of what? Do you... The angel told them what, though? How to find They're going in and out of Bethlehem is looking for a kid. They're like looking there, and they're like, oh, that baby's in a crib. The crib kind of looks like a trough. And then, and then they're like, no, the, the, the angel clearly told us that we'd find him in a manger. And so they go, and they keep trying to find this kid who's in a trough, and they finally find a little baby, probably we could assume that a dirty animal trough, and then they start worshiping him because this is our God in a trough. Cool image, right? I think so. It's a Christmas story for crying out loud. <laughs> uh, number 10, it was a cold night when Jesus was born. True or false? Yeah, we don't know. I mean, to think about it like this, um, Bethlehem... Well, first of all, we don't know that it was night, right? It doesn't say that it was night. It says that the shepherds got the image of the angel at night. But the angel says, this day a Savior has been born to you. So it's probably during the day. We don't know if it's like a real daytime or if it's just a day. And, and he's born in Bethlehem, for crying out loud, probably around springtime. Has anybody been in the Middle, middle East around summer or springtime? It could have been like 110 degrees. It's probably cold. Christmas night. 
Is everybody okay with the quiz? No, I know it's brittle. All right, throw it away. Throw the quiz away. It's a horrible, it's a horrible trick I just pulled on you. You got a hundred percent. Any other tables get a hundred percent? The table. So you guys were the done. <laughs> it's a stupid quiz. Uh, the point of the quiz is this. In case you didn't know, uh, the point of the quiz is not to um, smash this city. Is the Christmas day our Savior was born, but in humble means. But then he was visited by wise men who who knew that he was a king, and all the images and the star that goes with the Christmas story. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good image. It's just not exactly factual as far as us nerds are concerned, right? Right. Okay. Let's get cracking on. Um, if you want to turn to your notes, um, we're going to talk about something even funner right now. Does everyone want to talk about politics? <laughs> politics is kind of a boring thing to talk about and sometimes. And especially ancient politics is kind of boring to talk about sometimes. But we're going to talk about it. And the reason is, is because it plays an extremely important role into how our Savior came to this earth. And so we're going to look at some of the politics of um, the coming of Jesus um, did you know in Israel's history, so Israel is this country still in existence today, kind of, because Palestine has parts of Israel today, um, and, and that's not Jewish-owned. But the, the, there was kings of Israel. Do you remember, have you heard of David and Solomon and Saul and all these kings of Israel? Well, the last king of Israel was in, uh, I just happen to know this because I look up facts like this, was in 722 B.C., his name was Hosea, and uh, he was the last king because another empire came to Israel and took over Israel and took their power away from them. I think we have a picture. If you could bring up the picture of uh, uh, this picture is of the, the Babylonian empire that, that took over Israel. Uh, that took over, that, that's where it came to be power. I guess the dates are on there. You, but there was still a king of Israel until, uh, until 722, and then the Babylonian Empire took them away. And you could read about that story at the end of the kings, and then you could read books like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel. Those three prophets happened to live around the time of the Babylonian captivity, when, when Babylonians came to Israel and took a bunch of people captive and uh, took them away, um, or uh, they stayed and were just totally suppressed by a Babylonian government upon their land. Well, it's, it's quite interesting that both Isaiah and Jeremiah are known for their prophecies. You know what a prophecy is? A prophecy in the sense that I'm talking about is when someone kind of predicts the future. And through God, Isaiah, Jeremiah, quite a few of the Old Testament prophets prophesy about a coming king. So as they're prophesying, there's no king in Israel. Israel had been taken over by Babylon. And yet, um, there's prophecies of a coming king. How many of you like to highlight and write in your Bible and stuff? Me too. I like scribbling. I like, um, I mean, with, with scribbling with sense, not just random scribbling. But I like to write in my uh, uh, side margins and underline stuff and highlight stuff. In fact, sometimes I even brag that I've written, highlighted, written and highlighted on every single page of the entire Bible. And somebody will be like, yeah, right, let me see it. And so they'll look at it. Then they'll find a page like deep in the heart of like Hezekiah or something weird. <laughs> and, they'll say, and they'll say, what about this page? It's not written on or highlighted. And I will say, oh, yes, it is. And then I'll shut it and I'll turn it to the side. And it has, uh, and it has a highlighting all down the binding and a little writing. And I'll be like, look, it's on every single page. That's the kind of thing that I do for fun. I mean, that is, that is just like, man, that is fun to me to do that stuff. Um, but it, I, I uh, did it for real, and I, I, I highlighted, excuse me, I underlined in green every single prophecy about coming, the coming of Jesus that I could find. I went to some books and some Internet sites, and anything that I could find that was a prophecy of a coming king or the coming Messiah or the coming Christ, I underlined in green. And if you want to look at my Bible sometime, you can look at the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah and find lots of underlined um, green stuff. And I want you to turn, if you would please, to Isaiah 9. 
Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And this, I'm going to read this prophecy for you, and then we're going to turn to Jeremiah. But first go to the Isaiah one. Isaiah should be like right smack dab in the middle of the Bible if you just randomly open it up. It's, that should be the book of the Isaiah. And um, I want you to turn to, to chapter 9 of Isaiah. It's quite a long book, but chapter 9, and then look at verse 6. And I'm going to read this. And you have to realize, um, as soon as you find it, look up, because you have to realize that this is written hundreds of years before Jesus came to this earth. Hundreds of years. And yet it says this in Isaiah 9. Look at it, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. So a, a child is going to be born, he's going to be called Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So it sounds like he's going to be a political leader, a king. He will reign on David's throne. So he's probably going to be from the house of David. Um, and it says, over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So can you imagine yourself? Um, in Maybe you've been taken away and you're in Babylon and, um, and another government is controlling you and maybe making you a slave to another government. And yet you read this prophecy. You hear of this prophecy that says, someday a king is going to come. Would you be excited to hear that? Would you look forward and hope for that? Yes, we all would. Turn to Jeremiah now. Jeremiah is the next book over. Jeremiah is known as like a really sad book. He's known as the weeping prophet. Is like his, his uh, nickname. That would be a cool name. What's up, weeping prophet? What's up, dog? Uh, Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. In some ways, this one's even cooler. Um, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. And it says, the days are coming. So here's Jeremiah predicting the future, hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. And yet he says this, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. Sweet, from the line of David. Um, in those days, Judah will be saved and Israel uh, will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous. So the Lord is, is coming as a king, um, probably in the house, the line of David. And we know that Jesus is in a direct descendant of David. Isn't that cool that this was prophesied about hundreds of years before Jesus came? So imagine yourself in Babylon thinking, things stink. I'm in Babylon. Uh, we don't have a king anymore. Politics are bad. I mean, sometimes in, a, in the United States, we complain if there's a bad politician that raises taxes. But what if, like, another country took over America and we were all slaves? And, and things would be really, that would be something to really complain about, right? I mean, what's, like, a percent of taxes compared to being a slave, right? <laughs> You're all like, yeah, I guess it is pretty bad. <laughs> yes, it would be bad. I'm not going to complain anymore. Um, and so Babylonia starts to fall, another empire comes in and takes over. Do you know what that empire is? Don't say Roman. It's another one. Do you know the other one? Yeah, it's a, yeah, well, I'm kind of including like Assyrians, Babylonians, and Persians all in one. So the next big empire to come over, I heard it say, is the Greek empire. Alexander the Great comes in. He takes over Babylon. He takes over Israel. So maybe just when Israel's starting to think, man, these Babylonians are starting to get weak, maybe we could... We could win. Another empire comes in and takes over the Israelites, takes over. And so can they have a king? No, because it's Greek ruled. And, um, and some of you may have watched the movie 300. Have you seen that movie? Some of the guys like it. Spartans prepare for glory. <laughs> it's kind of dumb, unless you're a guy that's into that kind of thing. Um, anyways, um, uh, th that's the Greeks fighting the, the Persians. The Persians kind of win that battle, but then Greek, Greek, Greece takes over. And um, just in case you're wondering, the time in between the Testaments, the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, did you know that there's some books written during that time? It's called the Apocrypha. Have you heard of that? There's like, I have, I have a, 
a semi copy up here. It's 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 like this much of bookage um, that that goes in between the Old and the New Testament. It's called the Apocrypha. Some people like don't really know that much about it. They're like, isn't that book from Satan? Isn't it from Satan himself? It's the Apocrypha. It's so, so bad. Um, and then some people will say correctly that uh, the Catholic Church still has that in their Bible. But if you ask a, a good Catholic that really knows their stuff, like a Catholic nerd, they will tell you that the Apocrypha is in their Bible. It's these 15 extra books like Maccabees, um, uh, Tobit is in there. There's a really cool book that I almost wish was in um, our Bible just so we could refer to it. It's called, uh, what is it called? It's so cool. It's called Bell and the Dragon. Wouldn't it be cool? I'd be like, turn to Bell and the Dragon, 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> and you're like, eh, sweet. Um, anyways, that's a random rabbit trail. But, uh, oh, the Apocrypha, uh, if you ask a good Catholic why that book is in their Bible, they'll say it's good writing, it's good historical writing, and a good Catholic that knows their stuff will tell you it's secondary to Scripture. It's pseudepigrapha, secondary writings. And so we as Protestants around the time of Martin Luther took out the Apocrypha because it's secondary. We're like, well, it's secondary to the Bible. And so we'll talk later. We'll we'll talk later. (laughs) I grew up Catholic, and and, uh, a good Catholic will tell you it's it's secondary writing. It's secondary. We'll talk later. Um, and so we as Protestants took it out, and, um, and that's just how we roll. So it's no longer in our Bible. There's lots of books that could be in that just didn't make the canon. So anyways, that is a rabbit trail. Everybody say, rabbit trail. And that's why I would, I would I'd love to engage you, but it's, it's a rabbit trail, and if we go any further, it would, it would be a circus. Everybody say, circus. All right. Um, so the, Babel, the Babylonians take over. The Greeks take over, and then the Greek Empire starts to fall. Who takes over then? Yeah, the Romans come in, and they take over. And, and so Israel is waiting for a king. Hundreds of years. This is the Roman, the extent of the Roman Empire. The Romans come in, take over. And so Israel is still waiting for their coming king. And it's so interesting. So now turn back to the Christmas story, if you have your Bible. I know we're turning around a lot, but um, it's kind of fun to flip through the Bible. Um, Luke 2, verse, uh, Luke 2, verse 1. Have you heard of Caesar Augustus before? He's kind of a big deal because in history, he gets a month of the year named after him. You know what month it is? You guessed it. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. Do you know that verse? It's the verse that begins the Christmas story. It's a cool verse, but it says that you had to go back. I mean, go back to think about like raising the tax, like us complaining about, man, they raised the tax on food 1% or something like that. And you're like, man, I got to pay more for food. That stinks. But what if our governmental leaders said everyone needs to return home to the place where they were born? And some of you are like, oh, no big deal. I was born in Colorado Springs. Some of you are like, man, I was born in three states away. I was born in another country. I have to go back? I mean, think about the, I mean, just think about the tragedy that, and how much you would hate the government if they said, we need you to go back to the place where you were born, from where your family comes from, for a census. Would you be mad? You'd be like, man, I have to stop school? I, just, I have to leave all this and go just be counted in a census? That's dumb. And so the government made them do that for a couple reasons. Maybe for tax reasons. Maybe for, um, I mean, it's another government controlling uh, another area. Maybe they did it for... Uh, Maybe they did it for, like, security reasons to kind of keep everyone in line. But they did it. And that's the reason why Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem. And let me show you another verse. Are you ready to be um, rocked or something? (laughs) Turn to Micah. Micah is a really hard book to find. I think this is the last time we're going to be flipping around. So so just bear with me. But this one is definitely worth flipping to. um, And it's worth finding. Micah is right after... The book of Jonah is this tiny little book that, that might take you the rest of the time to find. Um, it's like Jonah, Jonah, Micah, and then it goes Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Turn to Micah 5, verse 2. Micah 5, verse 2. Are you there? It's kind of hard to find. You can still be turning. I give you permission. Micah 5, verse 2. 
Um, but you, Bethlehem. And then it says Arapatha. And that's like the county of where Bethlehem is in. Um, Though you are small among the clans of Judah. Listen to this. This is about Bethlehem, a prophecy about Bethlehem. And so it's under, in my Bible, it's underlined in green because it's a prophecy about the coming of Jesus. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small amongst the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel. Did you see that? Do we know anyone that was born in Bethlehem? Yeah, Jesus. Whose origins are from old. And you have to realize, if you don't realize this now, Micah's written hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned. Uh, until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock. The strength of the Lord in the, majestic, uh, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely and for his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. So this prophecy is saying that someone, the king, is going to come from Bethlehem. And it just so happens that our king, our savior, was born in Bethlehem. And so can you imagine it? Um, as If you're in charge of the Roman government, say you're in charge of the Roman Empire around the, the area of Israel, do you know what your name would be? Your name would be Herod. Have you heard of that name before? Herod was kind of the king over the area of Israel, uh, over the Roman Empire. So he was a Roman over the area of Israel. And, and he... It knows that a king is going to be born in Bethlehem. And so maybe, this is kind of a rabbit trail. The Bible doesn't clearly say this, but maybe he was staking it out. Maybe he was staking out Bethlehem, waiting for a coming king, thinking, it's not going to be on my watch. This coming king, if someone's going to jump up and say that all these prophecies are fulfilled in me, I'm from Bethlehem, I'm this king. Maybe Herod has kind of got the lookout going on in Bethlehem, thinking, I need to find people kind of spy on the people that are rich, spy on the pe- people, the, the Jewish people that have political power, spy on some people that kind of stand up on their soapbox and, and, and get all crazy and, and excited saying, follow me, let's, let's riot against the Roman Empire. Herod is probably looking out for a king. And, and the, there's the story about the wise men, and it proves that he was looking for this king. Why? To kill him. Because he didn't want political turmoil and, and the Israelites... Um, pushing ahead and, and rioting against the Roman Empire. So Herod wanted to find this kid, to find this, this person. And so maybe he's looking around saying, look at this guy, he's rich, he has power, he's really anti-Rome. Let's keep an eye on him just in case. But you know what? Our king is born and totally, I mean, the person that you would look for would be someone that's rich and has political power. Our king is born. The king that's prophesied about this, and he's born and he's placed into a trough. And who comes to visit him? Shepherds. Can I talk about shepherds just real quick? Shepherds are not like, you know, so like in this picture, he has on this like brown flowing robe and it has gold on it. And he's got like a golden staff. Uh, kind of looks like a cool shepherd, right? I mean, ladies, you'd be, you'd be like, what do you do? I'm a shepherd. Oh, okay. How you doing? <laughs> right? I mean, a shepherd doesn't seem like a bad thing. Have any of you actually met a shepherd before? Maybe nobody has, really, kind of. <laughs> and and there's, I think there's a big difference between a shepherd and a sheep farmer. Like in, in the United States, there's definitely sheep. We raise sheep, uh, and they're kept in pens, and they have nice little troughs, and they have nice little barns, and they have, uh, like, special protein pellets that they eat, and it's really good for them, and they grow lots of fur or wool or whatever they grow. <laughs> That's supposed to be funny. No one knows. I mean, what does sheep do anyways? Um, anyways... Um, I met a shepherd one time, like a real-life shepherd. This is, uh, this is a picture of Tibet. We were on a bus, uh, and when I say bus, I, I mean like a four-wheel drive vehicle with like an area in the back <laughs> and, because there's really no roads going out all through Tibet. And me and these two guys were traveling around um, just kind of exploring and being kind of missionaries and doing some missionary stuff. It was from new, was two dudes, uh, Ben and Caleb from New Life here. And we were in Tibet. This is uh, probably like five years ago, maybe. We're in Tibet. In the middle of nowhere, this bus thing stops. And this, so this is the middle of nowhere in Tibet. And these two dudes get on this bus. And there was kind of a half seat next to me. So I moved over and kind of made a whole seat. And they both ended up sitting right there. <laughs> and these dirty dudes get on the bus. And when I mean dirty, I mean like 
their clothes had probably literally, I mean, not to talk bad about somebody, but their clothes had literally never, ever been washed since them owning them. I have a picture. This is, isn't the picture of the guy. This is a picture I got off the Internet, but that's probably his brother or something. <laughs> so he's got clothes on. He's just dirty, um, and he smelled. And, it, like, at some point, like, if you smell somebody and they kind of B.O., they're, they're, it's bad. But then it's like, and then, like, if they keep smelling bad, then they're just, like, living with animals. Then it's just kind of, like, beyond bad. And they're just like, oh, it's, it's like someone got on the bus, and they just smell like an animal. It's just an animal smell. This dude smelled like an animal, and he sat next to me, and I was like, "Man, you're really dirty." <laughs> the, you, the bus, there wasn't a bus stop there. It was just literally the middle of nowhere. The bus stopped. These guys get on, pay some amount of money, and they get on the bus, and they and they they were just dirty, dirty dudes. And we're kind of sitting there looking at. He didn't even know the word hello. I knew the word hello in Tibetan, which is Tashidelik. So I said Tashidelik, and he looked at me. It's a Tashidelik, and we're just kind of sitting at each other, looking at each other. <laughs> I, and, and it kind of went like that for a minute. And I thought, well, I'll be nice. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of show my niceness or whatever. So I, I went in my bag and I pulled out some candy, like some hard candy, gave him some candy. And he's kind of looking at it like, what do I do? And, and so he, I showed him how to unwrap the candy like he'd never seen a piece of candy before. Maybe he, he didn't. Um, so he put it in his mouth and he's like, hmm. And, and maybe he said it was good. Maybe he said, this is horrible. <laughs> um, I don't know. And, and so he's kind of smiled and I smiled back and said, here's a piece of candy. Um, and then he uh, pulls out of his pocket some food for me. And, like, whenever someone pulls out some, like, Skittles out of their pocket and hands them to you, you're kind of like, uh, I'll pass. Um, or even, like, gum, like, like a wrapped-up gum. And you pull it out of your pocket, and it's still kind of hot, and you're like, where would you get this gum? And you're like, I'll pass. The, the dude doesn't pull out wrapped candy out of his pocket. He reaches in his pocket and pulls out a string, and on this piece of string is cheese. And he pulled it on the string. There's like little cheese balls. And he pulls off a cheese ball. And, and just like I had given him, him some candy, felt like, well, I need to share what I got. Check this out. And he gives me this piece of cheese that's in his pocket. <laughs> and just so you know, when you're in a foreign country and you don't speak the language and you're, you're trying to be a, a light of Jesus and someone gives you some food, what do you do? Eat you eat it no matter what. And so I looked at the piece of cheese I looked at his hands covered in grime and, and fingernails and just dirt, and he, he gave me the piece of cheese. And I was just like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> I got the piece of cheese, and I put it in my mouth, and it was like this rock-hard, just weirdness, like rotting milk taste. And I was just like, mmm, good. <laughs> and you might ask, well, did you get sick? Of course I got sick. I ate cheese from a shepherd's pocket. <laughs> and so then I was violently sick the whole rest of the bus ride. It was brutal. And that, my friends, the point of that story, the dirtiness, uh, I hope you get that image in your head of the, that's what a shepherd really is, kind of a dirty kind of person. And that is the kind of person that, that visits Jesus by these angels that come and tell these shepherds, here's where Jesus is. Here's where our Savior is. And it's not these kings, these, these, the, the, the wise men come later. They come maybe a, a year or so later, or maybe even longer. But it's at the moment of the birth of God himself on this earth, he's placed into a manger, which we all know is a trough. And the people that come and visit him right away and find him in this trough are the dirtiest, possibly the dirtiest people in the world at that time kind of the, the world's most dirtiest jobs. It'd be probably a shepherd back then, literally living with the animals in the fields. It's those kind of people that come and worship God. I mean, if you were, if you were someone in the Roman government, politically charged, kind of spying, trying to find someone of political power, like someone that might lead the people into a riot, would you pick this person that's born, that's born and then placed into a trough and these dirty people come and visit him? I wouldn't pick that person. But that's how our God works. The story I talked about in the beginning about Randy that, that gave a gift that was too big for, for us to ever repay is, is just, it, it brings to light this whole idea that, that our Savior, He's God, and he, yet He's in this trough. And this is the coming King that Isaiah and Jeremiah 
prophesy about. He is the king. It's this upside-down kingdom. That's, that's a, a phrase that's in your notes that, that says the, the last will be first and the first will be last. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a Bible verse that says that. And our God is not playing around when he says the last will be first and the first will be last. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who are humble, those who are servants, like Jesus was a servant, will be raised up and glorified. That's the way our God works. I want to read for you as we close a Christmas story that's uh, a little bit on the lighter side. It's really about giving and having a servant's heart. It says this, Paul received an automobile from his brother as a Christmas present. On Christmas Eve, when Paul came out of his office, uh, a street kid was walking around the shiny new car, admiring it. Is this your car, mister? He asked. Paul nodded. My brother gave it to me for Christmas. The boy was astounded. You mean your brother gave it to you and it didn't cost you nothing? Boy, I wish. But he hesitated. Of course, Paul knew what he was going to wish for. He was going to wish that he had a brother like that. But what the lad said jeered Paul all the way down to his heels. I wish, the boy said, that I could be a brother like that. Paul looked at the boy in astonishment. Then, and, and, and then he added, um, almost impulsively, would you like to take a ride in my car? The boy said, oh, yes, I'd love that. And after a short ride, the boy turned and with his eyes aglow said, Mr., would you mind driving in front of my house? And Paul smiled. He, he thought he knew what the lad wanted. He wanted to show his neighbors that he could ride in a big car. But Paul was wrong again. The boy said, will you stop at those steps? The boy asked. He ran up the steps. Then, uh, in a little while, Paul heard him come back. But he was not coming fast. He was carrying his little crippled brother. He sat him down on the bottom step and sort of squeezed up against him and pointed to the car. There she is, buddy. Just like I told you upstairs, his brother gave it to him for Christmas, and it didn't cost him a thing. Someday, I'm going to give you one just like it. Then you could see for yourself all the pretty things in the Christmas windows that I've been telling you about. And Paul got out, lifted the lad into the front seat of the car. The shiny-eyed older brother climbed in beside him, and the three of them began a wonderful Christmas ride. Oh, I know. Let's pray. God, as we begin just thanking you for the gift of your son this Christmas, God, we're reminded of how you came, the story of the shepherd and the manger and what those things really represent, the, the fact that you were God, the king who was prophesied about in all these Old Testament books of the Bible. And yet you are king, you are God, and you came by such humble means. God, would you give us the heart of a humble servant this Christmas? In the midst of, of shopping and, and, and receiving gifts, God, would you allow us to be true givers? Allow us to be indebted to one another. Allow us to be indebted to you as servants because we want to serve like you served. Remind us of that this Christmas, Jesus. We praise you. We thank you for that gift. And it's in your name, Jesus. Amen.